0: special features and reports with the family life news team now here's what's happening
1: a farewell toast to toasty weather good afternoon thank you for joining us i'm mark webster another exceptionally warm afternoon around the listening area but we're about to bid bye-bye to summer in october
2: we have the makings for some rather changeable weather in the days ahead the weather map shows high pressure that has brought the beautiful weather of late still hanging tough across the new england coast But a Midwest cold front's arrival will spell showers and rumbles tomorrow. Much chillier air for the weekend.
1: That's meteorologist Kevin Williams. We'll check in with him for our updated forecast later in the newscast. Speaker seekers, that's our other top story. Members of the House of Representatives Republican majority have a tall task ahead and not much time to accomplish it. Pick a new speaker to succeed Kevin McCarthy. A whole lot of things hang in the balance as Congress sits idle until they do. Fox correspondent Aisha Hosney.
0: Legislation at a
3: standstill, including that budget that's due in less than 45 days. Also, oversight work like issuing, I don't know, subpoenas in the Biden impeachment inquiry, that's frozen.
1: Would be candidates are due to plead their case before membership on Tuesday. The early favorites appear to be Ohio's Jim Jordan and Louisiana's Stephen Scalise.
3: Steve Scalise, the majority yep. leader, he's raised a lot of money. He has the institutional knowledge. Jim Jordan, though, has very strong relationships with members, both yep. moderates and more hardline members. He was a founding member of the Freedom Caucus, leading a lot of the investigations.
1: Former congressional staffer Garrett Ventry, President Biden's big concern next month's next deadline to fund the federal government or face a Shut down. We
2: cannot and should not uh, again be faced with 11th hour decision on brinksmanship that uh, threatens uh, to shut down the government.
1: And retired Major General Dana Petard is worried about Russian President Vladimir Putin relishing a congressional holdup on USA to Ukraine.
3: Which could also cause him to be much more emboldened, not only with Ukraine with other areas, such as the Baltic states, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, who are right next to Russia. Um, if Russia becomes more emboldened, we'll see a more emboldened China.
1: President Biden has hinted at an upcoming major address on the subject of U.S. aid to Ukraine. While Biden sweats that out, he's apparently had a major change of heart when it comes to U.S. border security policy.
4: Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas announcing the waiving of 26 federal laws in South Texas to speed up the building of an additional 20 miles of the border wall in Star County, Texas, just west of McAllen.
1: Reporter Chris Fox in 2020, Biden said that building a border wall was not part of a meaningful border policy. Secretary of State Antony Blinken, meanwhile, in Mexico to talk border policy with that country's leaders.
0: The talks will focus on fentanyl and immigration. Record numbers of migrants are arriving at the U.S. border, but also wreaking havoc in Mexico. Senior U.S. administration officials said they want Mexico to target more clandestine fentanyl labs
1: correspondent adrian bard in mexico city three weeks into the united Auto Workers strike now 400 more ford employees furloughed yesterday sue murphy's a 27-year ford veteran
0: we're fighting for the next generation either way so we're you know it's not about do we have a choice we don't have a choice you know we're out here for the long haul
4: whether we like it or not
1: you know, the picketing continues, but there is word of possible progress in contract talks. Offers between the automakers and the UAW have been exchanged, leading to meaningful progress in negotiations. That, according to a person with direct knowledge of the talks who spoke to the Associated Press. Union President Sean Fain will update members Friday. In recent weeks, he has rolled out more walkouts, and it's not clear whether he'll do the same this week. CBS's Jennifer Kuiper. Day two of a scheduled three-day walkout at healthcare giant Kaiser Permanente. Some 75,000 employees picketing Hundreds of Kaiser hospitals and healthcare facilities from Hawaii to Washington. Inflation has gone up so much, and cost of living has gone up so much. Kaiser claims its pay scale is already better than that of its competitors. Employees say not really. North Korea has shut down the reactor at its main nuclear complex. That's probably to extract plutonium that can be used to make nuclear weapons. A South Korean news report says the spent fuel rods can be used nuclear weapons. Those who couldn't wait to get their hot little hands on Apple's new iPhone 15 may have gotten exactly that, hot hands. The phone has a documented overheating problem. Tech expert Ian Shore says that's probably going to cool off Apple's sales at a critical time of year.
3: People who might be upgrading are thinking about what device they might buy during the
1: holiday shopping season. And of course, the last thing Apple wants is there ever to be an asterisk next to anyone's recommendation. Foundation. Apple has issued an iOS update to fix the problem. Today's Bring Your Bible to School Day, an emphasis on the religious freedom rights of students to express their faith, even as schools and other government entities are prohibited from favoring one religion over another. Emerson Collins is the National Program Director for Bring Your Bible to School. He tells Family Life that the one-day emphasis has produced multiple faith decisions among students. We also have beautiful spiritual stories uh, that come about from this day. Students starting Bible studies at their schools, students giving away Bible Bibles to friends who don't have one on the day, starting that conversation, and even students coming to Christ on that day. It's a beautiful thing. Beyond the single day, the Bring Your Bible program has resources and assistance for students and families who find their schools illegally trying to prevent Christian practices there.
3: The Bring Your Bible team
1: has partnered with the Alliance Defending Freedom. If you should face some legal resistance at your school, if someone tells you, no, you can't do this, well, legally, actually, you can. And we have a team that is ready to talk with you so that you can be a bull witness for christ and finally all the world's a stage they say but no stage more famous than this one a piece of
4: theatrical history surfaced overseas
0: all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players
4: construction workers at a theater in Kings Lynn, england are believed to have uncovered the sole surviving piece of stage william shakespeare the main player in the 1500s acted on
1: CBS's Deborah Rodriguez. Still to come on the news this hour, we'll get the latest on the UAW strike impact in the listening area. Three Philadelphia cops recovering after being shot responding to a domestic dispute. And we'll have the leaf peeping forecast for you as well.
2: Good afternoon. I'm Kevin Williams. It's balmy now, but some rather chilled winds are set to blow this weekend. Those winds will bring us some rain as well forecast to are up in 10.
1: All right. Thank you very much, Kevin. New York Governor Kathy Hochul joined United Auto Workers members on the picket line in Rockland County, New York yesterday.
0: They want good wages. They want benefits. They want respect. And I encourage the leaders of the auto companies to get, stay at the table, get back to the table and roll up their sleeves and get the job done.
1: To this point, the direct impact of the UAW strike on New York and Pennsylvania has been minimal compared to other states. Nationwide, about 25,000 UAW workers are off the job. Another 3,000 have been laid off by the big three automakers. The Onondaga County District Attorney's Office says it's getting ready to return GoFundMe donations that were made to Karen Eames. She was shot by her husband, Onondaga County Deputy Isaac Eames, who killed the couple's son before taking his own life last February. The GoFundMe, though, ended up being frozen once Karen Eames was charged with being involved in the theft of over $500,000 from the sheriff's office. People who want a refund have to respond to the DA's office email by October 22nd. Ground has been officially broken for a brand new law enforcement training facility in Cheektowaga. The budget had cost more than a million dollars. The facility will include things such as a weapons cleaning area and also a virtual reality training room. Some of the space also will be used by the Erie County Police Academy. To Tompkins County, where Ithaca Tompkins International Airport is getting a needed boost to its bottom line. This comes in the form of a federal grant. The airport's been awarded the Small Community Air Service Development Grant worth three-quarters of a million dollars, which will be used to help an airline set up a direct flight from Ithaca to Washington, D.C. No word yet on what company might be offering those flights or when they'll begin. To Pennsylvania, Three Philadelphia cops shot responding to a domestic dispute over a video game. Interim Police Commissioner John Stafford.
0: Officers arrive. Um, he begins to immediately fire upon our officers, striking uh, two officers and one sergeant.
1: All three officers are in stable condition. The gunman was killed. Just north of Philly, a school district has passed a restroom policy based on anatomy at birth. The new rule passed this week by the Curriculum Valley School Board will limit multi-user, restrooms based on the user's birth gender, but single-use bathrooms will still be available to be used by any student. The 5-4 vote came after an objection raised by the father of a distressed daughter concerned about a boy in the girls' room and subsequent protests and debate that broke out. And to Pennsylvania politics, we've got a ways to go, but incumbent Democratic U.S. Senator Bob Casey is leading Republican Dave McCormick in the first poll released in the 2024 Pennsylvania U.S. Senate race. More from Family Life's Sarah Harnish.
0: The poll released by Quinnipiac University on Wednesday shows Casey with a 50 to 44 percent lead over McCormick, who was endorsed by the state's Republican Party shortly after he announced a second run for Senate. Quinnipiac is calling this race one of the most intensely watched, and competitive races in the United States. Most voters polled said they need to know more about Dave McCormick. Sarah Harnish, Family Life News. Thank you,
1: Sarah. Pennsylvania lawmakers are again considering expanding the state's voter ID requirements, this time as part of a larger proposal to change the date of the 2024 presidential primary. The Democratic-controlled State House is expected to consider a Republican-authored amendment that would require voters to show proof of ID every time they cast a ballot in person. Now, currently, state law reads that voters only need to show proof of identification the first time they vote at a polling place. It's unclear whether there is enough support, though, in the 203-member chamber where Democrats hold a one-vote advantage to advance such a proposal. Neither Democratic Governor Josh Shapiro nor the GOP-controlled state Senate have publicly weighed in on the measure yet. Hospital closures and consolidations have become more common in Pennsylvania. Experts worry that a lack of competition could drive up prices and limit access to health care. More on that story from Family Life's Terry Diener. A House Health Subcommittee met Wednesday to to discuss health care trends and was warned that more information and attention on closures, mergers, and consolidations is necessary. Rachel Warner, executive director of the Leonard Davis Institute of Health Economics at the University of Pennsylvania, said it's been made worse by financial stressors from COVID, rising costs from labor, supplies and drugs, and longer hospital stays. Terry Diener, Family Life News. Thank you much, Terry. Well, experts say these two middle weekends of October will bring out thousands of people eager to see the rainbow fall leaves. Trees of the forest and hillsides will provide a vibrant show starting along the I-90 corridor in upstate New York and the Great Lakes in the coming week.
4: As you get into the more of the southern tier, it seems to be a little bit more consistent. Uh, peak season should be in about a week or two. Uh, if if everything keeps going this way with the weather.
1: That's certified arborist Jared Weber of Buffalo, who tells Family Life that there will be some variation from place to place as Canadian smoke and summer dry spells teamed up to have different effects on different kinds of trees.
4: This year, uh, certain trees, red maples, seem to be very vibrant this year. Um, A lot of trees aren't getting as much color as usual. Uh, I kind of chalked that up to a lot of the smoke that was in the air, stressing trees out a little bit.
1: Coming up tomorrow on Family Life News, the autumn leaves forecast for the Keystone State from a Pennsylvania State Forester. All right, that brings us to a check of sports. Making it look easy. Philadelphia faced little resistance in the clinching game of their National League wildcard series with Florida sweeping the best of three with a 7-1 pounding of the Marlins last night. Phillies manager Rob Thompson feels like his team stacks it pretty well against their next opponent, Atlanta.
3: Our offense can go against anybody, or two two guys that threw in this series. Um, they're really pitching well right now, and uh, they're on a roll, and hopefully they stay on a roll. The
1: Phillies weren't the only team to wrap things up last night. The Diamondbacks, Twins, and Rangers all swept their best-of-three playoff series as well to advance to the Divisional Series beginning on Saturday. Rangers took down the Rays 7-1. They'll now take on Baltimore. The Twins took care of business. 2-0 winners over Toronto to clinch their first playoff series in over 20 years. Next opponent, Houston and Arizona down the Brewers 5-2 in Milwaukee. Up next for them, the daunting Dodgers. To the NFL, Washington hosts Chicago a third Thursday night football at FedEx Field. The commanders hope to snap a two-game skit after falling to the Eagles in overtime in week four. Some league punishment, perhaps in store for Seattle Seahawks safety Jamal Adams for his treatment of an independent concussion doctor during Monday night football. Adams was seen yelling at the unaffiliated neurotrauma consultant after he took a knee to his helmet and exited the game in the first quarter. Adams was later diagnosed with a concussion. He took to social media yesterday to apologize to the doctor. It's looking like an expensive mistake for the Denver Broncos front office. Team says they'll release linebacker Randy Gregory. They can't find a trade partner soon. Gregory signed a five-year, $70 million contract to the Broncos last season, guaranteed $14 million this season, $5 million next. However, the 30-year-old linebacker has been plagued by injuries and his totaled just three sacks during his short tenure with the Broncos. The accolades keep coming for Buffalo Bills quarterback Josh Allen. He's been named AFC Offensive Player of the Week. Last Sunday, Allen threw four touchdown passes, ran for another, as the Bills defeated the Miami Dolphins 48-20 at Highmark Stadium. Allen's been the Player of the Week 12 times so far in his career, most in franchise history. The Bills take on the Jacksonville Jaguars in London on Sunday. And what an impressive run for Simone Biles and the U.S. women's gymnastics team, world champions for a record-breaking seventh consecutive competition, taking the title in Belgium yesterday. While Biles is the star, she credits her teammates for her success. And that's a look at sports. And still to come on the Noon Report, an update on the search for a new House Speaker. A major health care strike is underway nationwide. And the story of a woman who's found peace of mind and abundant joy amid chronic illness.
4: Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Last year, Pew Research reported that only 29% of Americans now are willing to say that they have a great deal of confidence in medical scientists to act in the best interest of the public. That represents an 11% decline since 2020. That's a dramatic drop that's both significant, given the historic importance of medical research in shaping public opinion, and understandable given the growing crisis and the reliability of scientific research overall. Well, now the problem has grown to such a degree that it's led some scientists to moonlight as detectives combing through scientific literature to sniff out fraud, negligence, and mistakes. A recent article in the Wall Street Journal described one such sleuthing trio, Joe Simmons, Leif Nielsen, and Yuri Simonson. They run a website called Data Collada, which is dedicated to, quote, debunking published studies built on faulty or fraudulent data. According to the article, these scientists are able to recognize suspicious patterns in scientific papers like cherry-picked data, small sample sizes, bad math, or just results that don't make any sense. Well, thanks in large part to the efforts of sleuths like Data Collada, at least 5,500 faulty papers were retracted in just 2022 alone. And that is compared with only 119 that were retracted back in 2002. And all this debunking has led to embarrassing resignations, including by the former president of Stanford University, as well as upended careers and retaliatory lawsuits. Now, of course, human fallenness is what's behind this mess. And that may sound like an oversimplification, but it's quite significant in light of the common myth of the objective scientist always following wherever evidence leads. In addition to faulty and fraudulent results being just more interesting, there are material incentives to fudge research. Pumping out papers can, and I quote here, yield jobs, grants, speaking engagements, and seats on corporate advisory boards. This is what pushes researchers to chase unique and interesting findings, sometimes at the expense of truth. And yet, as the Wall Street Journal piece makes perfectly clear, scientific fraud has real-world cost. Quote, flawed social science research can lead to faulty corporate decisions about consumer behavior or misguided government rules and policies. Errant medical research risks harm to patients. Researchers in all fields can waste years and millions of dollars in grants trying to advance what turns out to be fraudulent findings. End quote. And more fundamentally, scientific authority is so often wielded these days as a kind of hammer to end all political, social and cultural debate on everything from evolution to abortion, pandemics to climate change, gender to gay adoptions. The so-called science is settled line is frequently invoked and people actually believe it. The more science is sold as unassailable and then corrupted by politics and personal ambition, the more that its rightful authority will be compromised. And that would be a real tragedy given just how vital a tool scientific investigation can be for discovering truth and just how much science itself reveals about the world we live in and the kind of creatures we are. Remember, science was born out of a Christian view of life in the world. Scientists, like those at Data Collada, those who hope to restore integrity to the scientific enterprise, have to hold their peers accountable. And in the process, they're calling our attention back to the human element in science. It's never, strictly speaking, an objective enterprise. Good science requires not just our sharp minds, but also moral integrity. Good science has to be linked with good character. If science is to be a legitimate search for truth, scientists have to be people who love truth for the colson center i'm john Stone Street with breakpoint today's breakpoint was co-authored by shane morris for more resources to live like a christian today go to breakpoint.org all
1: right let's check in with meteorologist kevin
2: williams well, we have the makings for some rather changeable weather in the days ahead. The weather map shows high pressure that has brought the beautiful weather of late still hanging tough across the New England coast. For this afternoon, partial sunshine and warm with high temperatures, mid-70s to mid-80s. Clouds increasing and thickening tonight in mild, low temps, low 60s. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy with showers arriving, a rumble of thunder, high temps, mid-60s and mid-70s. Much chillier air for the weekend.
1: All right. Thank you, Kevin. This is the Noon Report on Family Life. I'm Mark Webster. Thank you again for joining us. Let's recap some of the top stories this day. Despite pressing matters such as federal spending and a presidential impeachment inquiry, Congress is at a standstill right now, idled by the removal of House Speaker Kevin McCarthy this week. While a speaker vote is scheduled for Wednesday of next week, Louisiana Congressman Garrett Graves is among those worried it might not actually happen that fast. There are scenarios where this could be going on for weeks. I think the first step is is letting people go home and decompress a little bit. The second step is letting us come back together. And I think before we have a single discussion about speaker, we've got to discuss the functionality of the position. Louisiana's Stephen Scalise and Ohio's Jim Jordan are top of the several names being circulated as possible. McCarthy successors. Day two of a scheduled three-day employee picket at healthcare giant Kaiser Permanente, where 75,000 healthcare workers are walking the picket line.
0: There are not doctors involved, but we're talking about vocational nurses, x-ray techs, and many other frontline workers. And what they're telling us is they are burned out and they are worried about the quality of care they're able to provide for their patient.
1: Correspondent Jolene Kent, Kaiser Management, says its hospitals and emergency facilities are staying open through the three-day walkout. It's week three of the United Auto Workers Strike nationwide. Hundreds more Ford workers in Michigan stayed home today, idled by the company, which blames it on the impact of the strike. Veteran Ford worker Sue Murphy admits the long walkout is kind of scary.
0: We've never been in this situation before, so we don't really know what tomorrow's going to bring.
1: There are reports of progress in those UAW contract talks with the Big Three automakers. A deadly dispute in Philadelphia over a video game. A 12-year-old boy called 911 saying his father had shot his uncle in a fight over the game.
4: Cops were called, and interim Philadelphia Police Commissioner John Stanford says the suspect positioned himself and waited for police to get there so he could attack. When officers arrive, um, he begins to immediately fire upon our officers, striking uh, two officers and one sergeant. Stanford says the cops were able to fire back, and the man was killed.
1: KYW's Tim Jimenez, all three officers are reported to be in stable condition. You're listening to the Noon Report on Family Life.
3: This is Faith Under Fire on Family Life, our Thursday feature which looks at Christ, Christians, and culture. A unique angle on Faith Under Fire today, not a global issue or a governmental or judicial issue, but something very personal. Sometimes people find their faith is under fire because of a health challenge or some other problem that is a setback. Today, I introduce you to Andrea Herzer, a Christian writer who has suffered through a long process of hope and healing and has discovered some things along her two-decade journey.
0: I'll start with over over 20 years ago, shortly after the birth of our third child, I went from being an active wife and mom to being bedridden with pain, had surgeries, procedures, I was diagnosed with a few things at that point. um, And the two that I'll mention is fibromyalgia. And uh, I also have interstitial cystitis. As I pursued healing for my broken body, I started to realize that that single-minded pursuit was only breaking me further. And I wasn't experiencing the abundance of Christ in my life, even though I'd been a believer for many years at that point
3: your life story is incredible i think incurable faith is a wonderful title for this that there are a lot of people that deal with chronic and uh, incurable diseases but you have taken that into a spiritual realm to say that the faith we have that sees us through long-term health conditions give us the prescription what's the rx for having an incurable faith
0: well, an incurable faith gives us an eternal perspective, which helps us to cling to hope, to true hope, gospel hope, through our challenges And isn't that what following Jesus is all about anyway? So, a lot of times when we've been given a diagnosis and it's considered incurable, which I have a few of those, we know that God can heal us. And He certainly can, and He can choose to do that in this lifetime. But we're assured of the hope of eternal healing. And so, that is the focus of the book, is that healing occurs in more than one way, and spiritual strength is necessary to deal with the challenges that we face when going through illness or caregiving or any other hardship.
3: Andrea, how has your personal faith been affected by the diseases and challenges you have been going through?
0: I just didn't know how to apply an abundant life in Christ to the specific challenges that we face when we have health issues. So as I, grieved and and went through a deep season of lament and finally came to complete trust and surrender in my Heavenly Father. Around that time, I had an accident that led to complex regional pain syndrome. and I was in a scooter for about eight years, uh, had to use a walker, couldn't take one step without a walker. About seven years after that diagnosis, I received another challenge that a lot of people face, which is I was diagnosed with two forms of advanced stage cancer, and one was aggressive. And by that time, I knew God's faithfulness in all of these challenges. I knew he wasn't going to let anything happen to me that didn't already come to me from His loving hands. And so, even though it was challenging and hard, and I still have to go through cancer treatments from time to time, I've seen the faithfulness and the redemptive power of the Lord in all of these challenges, and I wanted to share the ways that I have found that in the scriptures that led me to a stronger faith with others, and that's how my book came about.
3: Andrea Herzer is our guest on Family Life. You sound like one of these people that the hardship, iron sharpens iron, you have found a faith that helped you when, quite honestly, it sounds like everything else was working against you.
0: Like any journey with faith, we, we lean into the rhythms of our daily lives, which for me has been studying the scripture in depth and remaining in fellowship with other believers, because when illness isolates you, and I've been homebound for months on end, and I've been bedridden, when those things happen, it's really easy for people to start to forget those who are sick. And they just tell you, well, when you get better, we'll get together. But for people with chronic illness, it can be a really lonely journey. So making a point to stay in fellowship has been part of what helps my faith because when I don't even know how to pray for myself, other people are praying with me and for me. But I also think, you know, we know that faith is refined by affliction and by struggles. And oftentimes I know when I was first, diagnosed with my first set of health challenges, my mindset was, well, surely God wants me to be completely able and healed and active and going back to the life I used to lead. And I was imposing what I thought was a blessing, onto the Lord, and the Lord had so much more for me than just going back to driving carpool and, and doing the daily things of life. And yes, that was a hardship and a, and a grief to to lose some of that, but I've gained so much more because now I can share stories of His faithfulness and His goodness with other people and all of our trials, everything put together is gonna be like nothing compared to the weight of glory that we're gonna receive and, and dwell in one day. So that's, that gives me great joy.
3: Andrea Herzer has firsthand experience with the challenge of finding faith even through incredible time in hospitals and at home. Her devotional book is called Incurable Faith, Her personal story can provide inspiration for individuals who are going through their own diseases, setbacks, and diagnoses, but also is helpful for those who care for those who are hospitalized or hurting. I'm Greg Gillespie. Thanks for listening to Faith Under Fire from Family Life News.
1: You can catch that feature in its entirety online. All you have to do is go to familylife.org. Just ahead, the host of a TV nature show gets a jolt of natural reality.
2: I got hit. I felt it, yeah. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. Changeable weather in the days ahead. Partial sunshine and warm with high temperatures, mid-70s to mid-80s. Clouds increasing and thickening tonight, and mild, low temps, low 60s. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy with showers arriving, a rumble of thunder. High temps, mid-60s and mid-70s. Saturday, cloudy, a soaking rain possible on the Interstate 81 corridor of central New York and eastern Pennsylvania. Scattered showers elsewhere, highs only, mid-50s to mid-60s, and blustery, chilly Sunday, a few scattered showers and some breaks of sun.
1: Well, it was nice while it lasted. Finally at noon, an Animal Planet host got a painful lesson about meteorology. Wildlife expert and biologist Forrest Gallant was standing knee-deep in a Florida swamp recording a video segment when... When
3: I'm out here in a place like this, in a remote swamp where the thunder's cracking off and there's alligators cruising around and... I got hit. I felt it. Yeah, I got hit. That hurt. Yeah, it just hurt.
1: (laughs) I bet that hurt. The gallant Mr. Gallant says the superconductive water he was standing in drove electricity from the nearby lightning strike through his entire body. that he was even briefly paralyzed during the hit. But aside from some residual soreness, Gallant says he's doing fine now aside from a lingering metallic taste in his mouth for which he says he's been chewing a lot of gum to try to get rid of the taste. Maybe the close call will somehow jumpstart his TV career. That's the world we live in for Thursday, October 5th, 2023. As always, we thank you very much for listening. I'm Mark Webster, Family Life News.
0: You've been listening to The Noon Report. Heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.